0: The most interesting, Edward Birch, Dale Wiley are you? Am I talking to Edward Birch now? Yes, you are. All right. That's fantastic. And so I'll ask you the first question to so ask everybody. How did you first get interested in music?
1: I'm, I'm sorry. What was the question?
0: How did you first like music? Oh, good
1: Lord. Um, it probably goes back to being a very little kid uh, because uh, when I was very young, um, my father really liked music and he had a a really great record collection at the time. And I, I do credit him for teaching me at an extremely early age how to properly take an LP out of a sleeve
0: okay, and <laughs> put
1: it onto the turntable and cue it up. And I'm sure that, you know, that he was doing that uh, in part, you know, to pass on the tradition, but also yeah. in part, it's like, I don't want this little kid fucking up my record.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, what so, were some
0: of your favorites, certainly? Not.
1: Um, back then, the the things that I would queue up were um, certainly Beatles records, the Monkees, um, right. and uh, and even at a very early age, and, and in in a way, this uh, it's odd that it would be so. Influential on me later, right. um, Badfinger.
0: Really? Mm-hmm.
2: Why? Why did that one I, get to you?
1: I just love the sound, and I I think, uh, I think one of the early things that I loved in the Badfinger records, and granted, it was something that they probably picked up from the Beatles, um, right. was the. Doing electric guitar through a Leslie cabinet. Really. And that particular sound, the way the the, the way a guitar sounds through a Leslie cabinet,
0: right. um,
1: was just, you know, it just grabbed
2: me. And so, you know, I. <clears throat> Pardon me. I have my father to thank for some of
1: those early musical influences. Oh, and my mom, too, because like for my mom, it would have been listening to records like Carole King Tapestry.
0: Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. And,
1: um, And Tapestry was certainly a record that, um, as well as the uh, the Brown album, original cast of Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. Those uh-huh. those were two albums that Jay Bennett and I very very much bonded over.
0: Okay, well tell me about that. Bonding with Jay.
2: Well, um, I was. At the time,
1: I I think I was still living in an apartment elsewhere, but I ultimately um, ended up renting a house right next door to where Jay lived. Right. And um, I did that after having been officially introduced. I mean, I I knew who he was in the late 80s when I was an undergrad at U of I. Right. And, you know, would see him playing. um, And my friend Leroy, who also ultimately ended up being a member of Wilco for a brief spell. Definitely. uh, (laughs) And, you know, seeing them way back at that time, it was just like, oh, these are these local musicians that we like. And right. such, um, but at one point I was talking with Don Gerard, who okay. um, ultimately was in at least one band with Jay, maybe two. Oh no, two, because he he was in he was with Jay and Steve Pride and his Bloodkin, and he was with Jay in a brief band called Mine, M I N um that also had Adam Schmidt and Mike Hazelrig from Titanic Love Affair. Right. And that that was a very short lived project, but they had some great songs. But at one point Don said to me, Why don't you come over and and hang out? Because I think that you and Jay might actually get along, you know, both as people but also right. musically.
0: Sure. And
2: I
1: said, well, yeah, sure, let's do it. Uh, and we we hit it off pretty immediately.
0: Well, you know, the first time that that Jay actually played with Volco was in Springfield, and I was there. That was about the fourth concert they did. And so that is my claim to fame with Volco, because that was at Lou Whitney's upstairs in Springfield. It was very cool. It was called the Thumbs Up.
1: And what was what was the date on that show?
0: Um, it was it was whatever the fourth one would have been. It was right probably at the beginning of two thousand five or nineteen ninety five.
2: All right. Well,
1: I happened to be at the show in late ninety four. At Cicero's right, um, yes. black shampoo, and right. yes, and that was the very, very first, right, exactly, and, and I remember um I was talking with Jay, like the way Cicero's was set up back then, there was no backstage, so we're <laughs> exactly. like literally out in the alley in the Entirely. yes and 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 Jay is like, you has got his hands in gloves. And he's like, I'm so fucking nervous. I don't know what to do. I'm like, you're gonna be fine. You're uh-huh. gonna be great. Um, and so like, I spent that show uh, because I had no other place to stand.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I was,
1: Like right by the side of the stage, sitting on the floor in front of the table where Jeff's mom was, and uh-huh. Jeff's mom kept periodically from a pitcher refilling my beer glass. <laughs> like sitting on the floor watching the very first version right. of yeah. of what was Wilco, or at least you know Wilco at its very nascent stage,
0: right, absolutely, and so let's talk about the time when when Super broke up. what was your impression of how that all went down
1: it's It's interesting um so. I was at the the last Uncle Tupelo shows at Mississippi Nights. Right. And the first of those two nights, the opening band was a band called Blown, which was right. fronted by my dear late great friend Nick Rudd.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: We 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 lost him um,
0: this year. COVID. Yes.
1: Yeah, sadly to suicide, and right. he, he he was always troubled and depressed, um, but. You know, he he was just a sweetheart of a man, just a wonderful right. person. um and so Nick asked Jay to work sound for that show. Wonderful. So so we all drove down. So Nick so Jay was doing sound for Nick for opening for Uncle Tupelo. <laughs> and, um you know. It that really didn't have anything to do with how Jay got approached for Wilco, right? Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, everybody has their stories about the end days of Uncle Tubelo, and right. you know, clearly <laughs> at that point, Jeff and Jay despised each other and right. you know, <laughs> from watching on stage. Um, right. It was, it was, regardless, still a great show, but yeah. it was still like, yeah, well, this is the end of of this particular chapter. Right. Uh, but I, I remember um, – and this is when I was living next door to Jay um, – him getting the call that they wanted him – because the AM was already finished. Right. Um, and Henneman had done the, the guitar work on it, but he couldn't just yes. it touring, so they needed to find a guitar player. Right. And um, – so jay gets the call and and we're all super excited you know i mean he he was <clears throat> all, all of us who were friends with him were were very excited about it right and, um you know that that first tour was interesting um because i mean everybody has their own take uh like to me AM I think it's a great record
0: it right. basically
1: to me sounds like an uncle tupelo record that doesn't have jay forr
0: absolutely yes
1: um and the first sunvolt record my god what what an amazing album Yes. And, uh and i remember seeing sunvolt on that tour as well right and just being like,
0: holy shit,
1: you know, oh, yeah. it, it, it was, it was phenomenal. And so, and yeah, I mean, too much has been, you know, blathered about, about how,
2: um, you know, Sunvolt clearly won the first round. Right. Um, but it was it was really fascinating for me to watch like especially
1: when they started the demos of uh of being there right and watch okay where is the band going now and right. then suddenly it's going in a much different direction they 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 still got some country stuff going on yes but, but they're getting into pop they're getting into you know experimental stuff all this kind of thing. I mean, even at that early stage. Um, and
2: I mean, I remember one particular weekend where there were
1: a couple of times, there was probably one during the the being there sessions and definitely during the summer teeth sessions right. where, um, by this point, um, we had left the little houses in Urbana and had moved to a loft in downtown Champaign. Right. So it was me and Jay and our friend Chris Green. Uh, Chris ended up being the road manager for Wilco on the very final tour before Jay was kicked out. Right. Um so, you know, at that loft, we had a little recording studio set up. And by that point, even though, like, at that particular moment, it was Jay and Jeff working on some demos for stuff for a Wilco, a Wilco record. Right. Uh, we when he had time off in that same setting we recording our own stuff so the like the origins of the palace record happened like 94 95 around the time that jay had joined wilco uh-huh. we we just would do our thing when whenever jay had a break yes you know um But, yeah, I mean, it was definitely interesting
2: to see
1: Jay and Jeff collaborating in our living room,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know, just,
1: just, you know, figuring some, some things out and trying to sketch something together.
0: Definitely. And, you know, I think that people don't understand how very important Jay was to those early local albums. I really, especially the, the few, the few, few leading up to yake Hotel. I mean, it, it was definitely very important.
2: Oh,
1: I mean, without question. I mean, um, I mean, certainly the Summer Teeth record. I mean, my lord, Jay is all over that, right? And, and um, when the when the deluxe version just came out. Right. I I ran out and bought it the day it came out because I mean, I knew that I'd heard a lot of the stuff that was on the extras. Right. But but for me, it was like, you know, I I love Jay Bennett and
0: absolutely uh,
1: and you know, I'm I'm very sad that he's no longer here so that I can have, you know, a nicely put together package of a lot of other stuff that he worked on that most people don't get to hear right. right you know I'm I'm buying this without question
0: well yeah no doubt and you know the whole thing about the breakup for, from, from Jay for that band I mean of course it was very publicized but you know how does that lead into your album that you made with him
2: well um so when 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 Jay is given his dismissal from <laughs> Wilton, um, and you know i mean i i mean i i was also
1: grateful to be at the uh chicago sessions for the the woody record sure i mean I, I I remember Jay calling me saying, "Hey, I'm." Uh, he was flying back to Champagne. I was like, uh, "Hey, I have got some amazing news to tell you, but I want to tell you in person." Right. And When he showed up, it was you know saying that they get to do these collaborations on the uh, on the Woody material.
0: Yes, absolutely. And
1: and and you know that was fascinating and and that was amazing.
2: Um, so, when Jay gets the word that he is kicked out of Wilco, right? He gives me
1: a call. Uh, my girlfriend at the time and I had just moved back to Champaign and we were in some tiny rental apartment in the summer, just waiting to get a lease elsewhere.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, and Jay says, you know, Hey, I've, I've been dismissed from Wilco. <laughs> Do you want to continue the, project we were working on and actually put it out and and
2: tour on it. And I said, yes, of course I will. Uh, So at that point, like, you know, we had a decent amount of stuff together
0: right
1: that was close to finished. Some other things still needed some work. You know, we we did all that, and then we brought it over to King Size in Chicago. Right. And it was on every conceivable format you could imagine. It was two-inch tape, half-inch tape, uh, cassette, ADAT. You know, all these different things. So it was just right. dump all of this stuff. Um, and you know, we we ultimately. Filtered through it, and uh, and got the record
0: made. Back with Edward in a minute. DaleWileyShow.com. Do you love music? Do you know about the musical map of Missouri?
2: Dallas Wayne Chuck Berry Dave, Dave
1: Alvin Robbie Fulks the Skeletons The Ozark Mountain Daredevils Uncle Tupelo Wayne Carson Nellie Lou Whitney Symptoms Morell city Jeff City St. Louis
0: St. Joe Columbia
1: Buckle of The Bible Belt New Studio on South Avenue in Springfield 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 Missouri
0: Add the Missouri Music
1: Podcast to your list of favorites. Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri Missouri, while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID 19.
0: Visit Missouri
1: for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: More with
0: Edward Birch, Dale Wiley uh, it-
1: it was it was a very interesting process to do that especially because you know things
2: were on all these different formats
0: right exactly
2: but um you know we we got it together we put it out and
1: um i i've talked about this in other interviews
2: and i always like to reiterate how um, our manager at the time said, "All right, this is the deadline for getting stuff done." Right. And so
1: once Jay actually had a deadline, then because yeah, if you if you didn't give Jay a deadline, then he would just go forever. um so like okay we have a deadline um and from that deadline decided based on that here is the date that the record will be released and you know we're like okay that's great as we get further into the process then we find out oh it turns out that Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is also coming out on the <laughs> day, right? And I can assure you, if you like, when when you get the chance to see the Jay documentary, there is a moment in the film where he also says, you know, I, I would love have actually planned it that way, but but we didn't. It was just that it turned out they were coming out on the same day.
0: Right. I guess that, you know, there's been so many variations of Wilco and then also the early days of Sunbolt and then um, that of course, Uncle Tupelo, and so how was it to be involved all that interaction, and what do you think about the two bands and how they've progressed?
1: Well, that's a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Um, Take your time. No, <laughs> Get it's to cool. The ball if you want to. <laughs> um,
2: no, I mean, I um, for myself, I was always. A huge fan
1: of what Wilco were doing when Jay was part of the magic, right? Uh, because um, <clears throat> a, I love him as a friend, but b, right. I I know what he can bring to musical projects, and I've seen it, you know. From the work he did with Tommy King, the work he did with Sherry Rich, or um, he he played on a record by the now late
2: great Billy shape Billy Joe Shaver.
0: Oh yes, you
2: know Jay had a thing about what.
1: What he would contribute to particular musical situations um, that, I mean, I, I know it. I can see it. I can smell it. Um, but it's it's hard to describe. It's it's that, uh, I mean, maybe part of it is that he makes you feel comfortable in a given moment. Okay. And then then you just do musically what you do. Um, but, you know, certainly for Wilco, I always love that period. And I know they've gone on to do great things since. Right. Um, it just, I, I just didn't have any interest in it. And um, so I, I, I kind of stopped following
0: uh-huh.
1: after after Jay left.
0: Well, and, you know, again, those are magnificent albums and a really crucial type of that band, definitely.
2: So, you know, I mean, we we did our thing and... You know, got to go out and tour, and because um, you know, of 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 Jay's provenance, um,
1: you know, people would actually show up to see us.
0: Right. Which, yes. Which was
1: great. It's like you know, like for <laughs> me, it's like this, for me, it was the first time that I had done like the full on national tour.
0: Right.
2: And. I got to do it because you know and have people
1: show up because <laughs> of yeah. my my friend's association with this uh this larger musical entity
0: right, and you know, so thinking about your music, what do you call your style of music
1: i i I don't have any idea what you call it yeah. um we <clears throat> I mean we certainly on the palace record were drawing from like sixties and seventies influences with our right. sonic textures and things like that, but uh you know we were also introducing weird noises and such, and you know that sort of comes from
2: uh, like you know, post rock world and things like that. Um I I think I think I can safely speak for Jay that what we were
1: mainly focused on was we're doing pop songs. And it might be up tempo catchy pop songs, it might be down tempo melancholy
0: pop songs,
1: but but that's what we were doing,
0: right um
1: If you have a good melody and hopefully a decent lyric to attach to that melody, and if you want to do it up or down either way as as long as it works and and that's that's kind of how we operated okay. and and we had. <laughs> <laughs> I God bless Mike Hagler at King's okay. in Chicago because um, he was the one when we, when we brought him all of the material that we had accumulated in recording
0: this album. Right.
1: It was so dense. We just, we just told him, all right, once it's loaded in, first step, you just go through and you just start cutting shit out. Right. <laughs> you know, so that that was the first step.
0: Then
2: we started figuring out how to mix particular tracks. Right. But, you know, for for Jay and I, at the core, it was always about, you know,
1: can you do decent service of a lyric and melody and our our usual go-to was if you can play the song just sitting together on acoustic guitar right? and sing the song. If it works that way, then it's going to work whatever other way that you choose to arrange and produce it.
0: Yes. You know, actually now, talking about the pandemic and Nick Rudd, and that was at the very beginning of that. And so yeah. talk about Nick and tell me about him. Mm.
1: Oh, God. Nick, Nick was just such a sweetheart of a soul. Um, right. And, you know, I, I, I talked to him several times, um, both before and after the pandemic hit. Um, just, just an amazing person. And, um, you know, I mean, I, on my own, I, I most definitely, absolutely deal with depression and, and sometimes, sometimes it can get really, um, overwhelming. Right. Um but you know, I I do my best to, you know, keep the the bad end in check. Right. I'm uh I I, I take antidepressant medication, I I work with a therapist, you know, I do what I can and you know, in COVID times it's like, okay, you're already clinically depressed, and now let's I throw know. Trump and COVID on top of that.
0: <laughs> yes. You know,
1: so, yeah, this year has been challenging.
2: Um, right. But um, I remember a friend of mine telling me they got in touch with Nick shortly after the pandemic hit. Right. And and wanted to let him know,
1: oh, you know, we we need to be, uh, you know, careful about things going out in public and blah blah blah. And for better or worse, uh, kind of probably a function of his depression. I mean, he was already socially isolating. He right. he, he 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 was social isolating before it was
0: cool. Right. Or, <laughs>
1: is concerned, Um, but I mean, I I miss him. I miss him terribly because he was a talented musician. He was also just this amazingly smart person and you could talk to him about literature or art or other stuff
2: and I mean he knew his shit and um you know i i grieve his loss as do all of
1: us who knew him so well and i'm sure people who didn't know him well and just loved his music probably right. do as well
0: and that's a big part of what we're trying to do with find a way to start a foundation to help people do these times because i just feel like so many people are affected by this stuff. Yeah.
1: And you know, i i know for myself, you know,
2: um i i no longer have suicidal ideation um right. about four years ago um I
1: I was most definitely suicidal. Really? And, yes, and, and actually had attempted such.
0: Okay. What made the change? What made the difference?
2: Um, I'm 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 I'm, I'm uh, unclear of what your your your
1: question is asking.
0: Well, I mean, what made the difference between you wanting to and then not doing it going through with it?
1: Oh, okay, so well, um at the time i i did i I literally drank as much as I possibly could and swallowed uh ground up pills of hydrocodone. So, I actually did attempt to kill myself. Right. Um, But what I learned later from doctors was it's it's very difficult to intentionally kill yourself with booze and pills. It's very easy to accidentally kill yourself with booze and pills. Okay. Um, But... You know once I had gone through that moment um, and then worked with my therapist and all that kind of stuff right. um you know i I no longer have any suicidal ideation in my bones whatsoever,
0: you know so
1: that's like all, yeah, I mean all of that is gone um,
2: but
0: it makes me.
2: More empathetic and understanding for
1: people who find themselves in those dark places.
2: Right. And,
1: you know, like I know from my own experience that, you know, when you find yourself in that spot, you have blinders on, you you don't see any other possibility and and that's
2: just where you're at
0: right
1: um and i i always like to say that i am grateful that i was a failure
2: at suicide yeah
0: definitely <laughs> me too me too well,
2: thank you yeah
0: <laughs> but that is just one of these things that this whole situation that we've been in has really brought at the forefront how important it is to make sure that you reached out to people and making them understand how wanted they are.
1: Right. Absolutely. And and I and I do try to do that with my friends. Um, and, you know, I, I have a couple particular friends that I know, um, you know, they're they're certainly not suicidal but right. but they but they deal with depression, as do I, right. and you know, I always make the point to just check in, be like, "Hey, how you doing? uh, tell me what's going on and right. you know and and sometimes they're fine, and sometimes they're like, "Oh, I've got this or that or whatever um but you know. And, and especially during COVID, it's like, you know, you can't always, even though the ideal would be that you would be in person with someone right. and, and talking through this stuff. But, you know, right now we have to use other strategies. Absolutely. And, and other approaches. So,
2: you know, i i i I do my best, especially for the people
1: that I know have a little more stuff happening with them right so you know we we work together and we rally around each other right, and just be like. You know, we're we're gonna come through. It's just Absolutely. that you know these last four years have been a shit show, and <laughs> it, um, it has not helped anyone who's dealing with mental illness. It certainly hasn't helped anyone who contracted COVID because we have over a quarter million people dead.
0: Yes,
1: and um, you know my my feeling
2: is. Especially given the when 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 you look at the numbers
1: of who ended up dead mm-hmm. and the fact that Trump knew ahead of time after he um dismantled the pandemic response team right <laughs> uh, you know I mean my personal feeling is that he should be tried for crimes against humanity, right.
0: Well, so tell me what's going on in your is it what is your pet rec pest, what is your day job right now? My day job is working at
1: an animal shelter. Okay. Uh, the uh, the <laughs> I should know where I work. Uh the animal
0: protective <laughs>
1: The Animal Protective Association of
0: Missouri. Okay, um, that sounds great.
1: And so it's based in St. Louis. Um, we deal mainly with animals in St. Louis metro area, but we uh-huh. also, um, you know, we'll help out anybody that we can.
0: Uh-huh. And,
1: um, one thing we've been doing is transporting animals, from the southern coast, where things were affected by the hurricanes and the storms right. and all of that, to free up space in the shelters for other animals needing more urgent care and intake. Right. So, so we transfer them up, and we sign them in, get them ready for adoption, and, I mean, they they fly out the door. Well, that's cool. Uh, that's very cool. So, you know, I'm I'm really proud of our organization on well, on many levels, but especially on that particular front. I, right. I that's um a really good thing to do to
2: be you know, as Humanitarian as possible, and also, you know, reaching out just beyond our
1: particular area. It's like if we can help you, and we can pick up some slack. Yes. And and do something like that. I mean, that's that's a really great thing.
0: Definitely. And so, what's next musically? What's the next project?
1: Well, um, I have been working um, a bit with a friend of mine here in town. His name is Joe Tebow. Oh, yes. Uh, from Friday. Yeah, Finn's Motel and all of that.
2: Um,
1: right. So Joe and I have done some collaborative songwriting. Right. and. Uh, we're hoping to get into more of that, and
2: um, you know that was a a nice sort of jumpstart because
1: you know I haven't haven't really done much in the songwriting world right. since I was working with Jay.
0: Really, that's yeah. a long time. No, I know and
1: um i mean i had all kinds of other things going on between then and now but um but it is nice to be you know musically connected and active and especially in the moments that you can be engaged and creative right so i i look forward to us doing more of that
0: Absolutely, yes. You know,
1: I mean, some some of it got a little squashed for a while, again, because of COVID.
0: Right. <laughs> That's going to be our memories of this year, definitely. And so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, my my pleasure. Oh, yes. And- thank you so much. com.